All right, here we go. So we're looking at the six elements of a successful story from Aristotle's Poetics. And the first one, and you need to know all of these, by the way, and be able to explain them, is plot. Plot. If you're going to write a good song, if you want to be a storytelling song artist, like a country artist, perhaps, then you need to understand plot. It is the most important. It is the essential aspect of any good story. The gospel has a plot. The Bible has many subplots that make an overarching plot of historic victory by Christ over the uh, kingdoms of this world. Your life has a plot. History has a plot. All stories have a plot. And the better your plot, the better your story. A plot has three basic elements, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Introduction. A beginning, a middle, and an end. And that beginning, that middle, and that end create what's called a narrative arc, A-R-C. I'm going to draw it on the board for you. If you want to tell a good campfire story, if you want to preach a sermon that involves personal anecdotes or um, stories of any kind, if you want to be better at dialogue and conversation with your friends and and not be the kind of person that drones on and on with boring, uh, uneventful stories, then you have to understand narrative arc, narrative arc. First, it begins with rising action. So right there, if you want to draw it on your, on your notes there, the upward motion of the arc is called the rising action. And the downward part is called the falling action. Technically, it's called the complication and the unraveling. But you don't need to know the technical terms for all of these. Just the rising and the falling of the narrative arc. Okay? And that the pinnacle there is what you want to call the, um, mm, well, we can call it the conflict. We can call it the, the conflict. Now, this rising and falling action of the narrative arc, if you think of it like music, it moves forward with beats, right? And it's actually called a beat. So every event... Every moment in that story that propels the story forward is another beat. And the beats propel it upward or they propel it downward. They propel it upward toward the major complication or peak of the narrative arc. And then they propel it downward into the unraveling. So like a song has beats. And in those of you who know music understand how um, chords can increase tension and cause dissonance. And then they can resolve, right? Those of you who take piano, and that, that tension and that dissonance and then that later resolve is creating a musical, what? Arc, a musical arc. And the beats drive it forward down that arc. Isn't it interesting how story and how music <coughs> and how life and how history all works together in this 
um, in this particular way, it's because God has designed the world in a beautiful and wise way. Even a sports game. What is interesting about watching sports? What is interesting about watching football or basketball? It's because there are narrative arcs within this, the, the game. The whole game is one narrative arc, but each quarter is like a beat. Each play is a beat, right? That drives the, the game onward, and you watch it, you're like, oh, here comes conflict, conflict. And then they score, ah, resolution. As the ball goes into the air, it's creating a literal arc in the air, a basketball. But in your mind, there is a, oh, we have a story that's built up to this point. Now there is a, a moment of tension. And then, ah, release. And, and, uh, and it's sort of an emotional catharsis. And sometimes it leads towards satisfaction and happiness, and other times it leads towards rage and anger and a feeling of incompleteness, right? <laughs> Depending on whether or not you win or you lose. So that particular conflict at the peak, right, right there at the peak of the narrative arc can be several different things. And, and great stories include all of these things at some point. But here's the number one or the first one, it can be a sudden reversal. Oh, how the tables have turned. <clears throat> a sudden reversal in the storyline. Can anyone think of any movies or stories that are going along and things are running smooth and then all of a sudden, bam, sudden reversal? Home Alone, yeah, I like that. Home Alone. He, he creates quite a conflict when he's left all by himself. That's good. The third Star Wars movie? Yeah, I think so. Star Wars, obviously. Now, the second thing that it can be is a critical discovery. A critical discovery. In the hundred cupboards, um, as, the, uh, as the plaster falls off from the wall... He makes a critical discovery. There is this magical cupboard in his bedroom. All right? And then the third one is emotional relief in the audience. Something that causes the audience to go, ah, okay, ah, yes, there, there. It's a catharsis is the technical term for it. And really good, satisfying stories have sudden reversals, critical discoveries, and um, moments of emotional relief where the tension is resolved in the, in the imagination and in the hearts of the audience. All right, the next term we need to go on to is cause and effect. Cause and effect. In other words, each beat that moves the narrative along should affect the next beat. Okay? In a, in a, in a sort of a, a linear and simplistic way. Movies aren't like life. They're much more simple than life. Life doesn't go about where you, have, you make one critical discovery and have one emotional ah, catharsis and one sudden reversal. Life usually has a thousand beats going at the same time in various time signatures with a, a thousand narrative arcs all working at the same time. And you're making a hundred sudden reversals and a million sudden, uh, dis, uh, you know, sudden discoveries. 
It's and you know that your life is a very very complicated story that only God could could analyze and unravel. But a movie or a book or a, a short story or a singer songwriter who tells stories, the story is going to be simple, and each event that is told, whether it be each line in a poem, or each line in a song in a country song, or each scene in a movie or each chapter in a book is going to be necessary to propel the story forward. It's going to have, and that means the story has cause and effect. The plot has cause and effect. If there's something in your story that doesn't affect the next beat, then what do you do? You take it out. Because you want it to be simple. You want humans to be able to follow the story and, and see and feel the narrative arc. If it's too much like life, it's too complicated. You can't, you can't follow it. And so you have cause and effect that drives each beat, compel, uh, propelling the story forward through its narrative arc. That makes for a good plot. And another, another thing for plot is it has to have unity. The whole plot should tell one single story. Or there should be one goal. Or one main point. What is the main point of Star Wars? It is the victory of the light over the darkness, basically. What is the main goal of Home Alone? The defeat of the bad guys and the reunion of the kid to his parents. Right? It's the, the resolve is, is, is not very complicated. He is alone. And there are obstacles that he faces while alone, but he discovers um, strength, latent gifts inside of himself in that moment of crisis and reveals that he is the hero of his own destiny, right? And that's fun for little kids because they get to fantasize and imagine themselves being superheroes, even though little, a little kid actually would be murdered by the bad guys in reality. Yeah. So it has to have unity. Our lives don't have unity in that sense. They're complicated. I mean, we don't have just one main point or one goal necessarily. The, our, our motivations are complicated. But in a story, it should be the character should have one goal. Fame, money, honor, save the princess, kill the dragon. Real simple, right? And that's what we call unity. All right, so that's plot. That's plot. Any questions on plot? Has anyone here ever written what they consider to be a good plot? Yeah, maybe. Can anyone think of any songs that have a plot? Storyteller songs. Can you think of any? Doesn't Tay Tay have one about uh, concealing a murder of someone? Something like that? Do what? No body, no crime. Yeah, that has a bit of a plot, a bit of a storyline. Three Wooden Crosses by Randy Travis. Do you all know that one? That one has quite a, quite a storyline. The Devil Went Down to Georgia, classic storyline. Yeah, that's very good. It's real simple. It's real united. It has unity. has a narrative arc. It has that resolve at the end. What a great story. If you can tell a story in a song and make it concise and, 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 the, and the instruments sound good as well, man, that is a really cool thing to be able to do. All right. Let's move on to the next thing. That's a character. If you're going to have a successful story... A good story, an enjoyable story. You've got to have a great plot with unity, cause and effect, a narrative arc, sudden reversals, etc. And you have to have good characters. 
Now, for Aristotle, the character must be good and virtuous. Right? Have good and virtuous goals. I certainly agree with that. I, I love to root for um, protagonists or heroes who are worthy of you know, rooting for. And so name some uh, good, essentially good characters in some stories that you know. Main character. Christian Bill Batman. Batman, yeah, Batman. Batman is a great example because Aristotle teaches, and I do believe this is true, that the audience doesn't necessarily have to agree with every single thing that they think, do, say, or in the movie. But you, the audience, you want the audience in a good story to generally agree with the main character's purpose and goals in life. And Batman's goal is to, to beat up bad guys and protect the city. Although we are not exactly on board with his vigilanteism and his uh, personal struggles with, with uh, revenge. And we certainly don't like the new Batman who has been uh, baptized into, now he's a community organizer. Um, he's, he is more of a fireman than a policeman and the, the new Batman. So we don't agree with that guy. But, um, but generally, Batman's a good character. And, um, but, but movies today, do they, do they follow Aristotle's rules on, on that? No, of course not. They oftentimes make heroes that are evil and get you to understand their plight and, and empathize with them. And that messes with uh, the laws of nature, honestly. You think of the bad guys in the new Spider-Man. They weren't evil. They were just misunderstood. They were victims of oppression. And so what did Spider-Man need to do? Use his Spidey skills to defeat the bad guys? No, he needed to go into his science lab and make a uh, vaccine so he could give the bad guys a shot and heal them from their problems. Did y'all see that, that Spider-Man? Well, it is, it's incredibly offensive to me that Spider-Man doesn't beat the bad guys with his spidey senses and his spider webs, but literally gets a government grant and makes a vaccine and injects them with it to save them. Because he feels sorry for them because they're actually just victims of oppressive and Christendom and society. Right? So it's terrible. It's terrible. But, um, but anyway, I digress a little bit. The second thing with a good character has got to be consistent. You've got you to gotta understand. It has to be kind of simple. Like You want developed characters. You want them to be somewhat complex, but they can't be too complex. Like We all get the Joker. What's his goal? What motivates him? What drives him? Yeah, he, he just wants to beat Batman because Batman stands in the way of his, his belief that anarchy and true individualistic freedom would bring about happiness. And the Batman stands in the way of that. Of course, they're like the yin and the yang, right? They're like Ahura Mazda, Dionysian spirit versus... Apollo, there it is. That's exactly right. That's Batman and the Joker. But you kind of get, you kind of get the Joker. He's consistent. He just wants to kill the Batman or Seinfeld characters. Who are the main Seinfeld characters? Well, there's the obvious one. Jerry Seinfeld. Is he predictable? He's pretty much the same in every show. He's and 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 you could describe him as obsessive compulsive. He's neat and tidy and likes things a certain way 
He's obsessive compulsive, and that's just the way he is. Then you got George Costanza, and how would you describe him? Jackson's the only one that's seen this, aren't you? He's, but I think overall, George Costanza is just self-centered. He's super selfish. He's a narcissist, right? And that's the short one. He's obsessed about his hair, about his looks, his life. He's obs- it, everything is about how it makes him feel. He, he blows up um, entire relationships over a parking lot, a parking space. And he's self-centered. Then you got Kramer, who's schizo. And he's schizo in every show. You see, this is what we mean. This is consistent. If you're going to uh, have your audience identify with your characters, your character has to be a little bit simple, right? Um, not exactly like a, a, a real human being, but not so simple that it's impossible to believe. Elaine, by the way, she is shallow. That's her. She never has any real relationships. She bounces around from one shallow relationship to the next. And you know that, and you, and, you, and you come to know that because of the consistency in the story. All right, moving on to the next one. We got plot, character, and now the next one is thought. And that just means that the story should be about something big. Have some big themes. Toy Story, for example, for children, but does it have grown-up themes? Is it about big ideas? Worldview matters. What do you think? Yeah, of course. Of course. Or um, Wally. Has anyone seen Wally? Yeah. I mean, it's a cartoon. It's a cute story, but it's about some, it's about humanity and the purpose of life and the future of mankind's existence. Big themes. Or Up. Have you seen Up? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that makes these Pixar movies so great is that they have very well developed thought. And the thought, or what we might think of as themes, are thoughts usually that Christians agree with. Now, that's more true in the past than it is in the present. But the, 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 where, where Pixar excelled Disney is that Disney's thought, or big themes, were often things that Christians didn't agree with. Self-expression, um, total self-autonomy, right? Um, the, uh, the, the suppression of self and self-autonomy by tradition and by parents. And, uh, and, and so the thoughts in the Disney movies were poisonous, whereas the thought in Up and Wally were good, good um, thoughts, good themes. And you don't, you don't want to expose your little children to stories that have evil themes, evil thought. Make sense? What are, what are some of the big themes in Jurassic Park? Ooh, nature is dangerous, and and man uh, should not uh, think that in his pride that he can um, completely control nature. That as soon as you feel like you have uh, mastered nature, you find out that it masters you. Like the atom bomb. Oh, we discovered the atom bomb, then it blows you up. Or like an airplane. We create this massive airplane, and we fly through the skies, and we feel like we are... We are in charge of destiny. We are man. We are um, the great atlas that holds up the universe. But really, the, we are beholden to the airplane, right? It's like Frankenstein. It's like Frankenstein, exactly. It's like Terminator. That's uh, very similar that when man in his pride uh, expresses his dominance over technology in Terminator and in uh, 
Frankenstein over life. And uh, it, it comes back to haunt him. <coughs> and you will remember, it's a, Jurassic Park is also a bit of a horror because the dinosaurs haunt the bad guys for their, for their yeah, sins against nature, their sins against humanity. So that's good. What are the themes in, um, what, are, what are some other movies that you like? Do what? Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard doesn't have very well-developed thought or themes, but what maybe uh, courage, bravery, um, the, the, uh, the power of one competent man to save the world, right? A little messianic flair. Of course, he's, he's brash, he's bold, he's blue-collar. So there's some themes in that. Good. All right, let's move on to the next one. Diction, diction. Only, only three more. We're almost done here. Diction. Think Yoda. When you think of diction, think Yoda. Right? How did Yoda talk? Anybody want to try to do a Yoda? <laughs> not, not necessarily his accent, though that's part of it. Accent is part of diction because it builds the character. But remember how he structured the sentences, right? That's part of diction. You want to have good diction. If you're going to have a good story, you need to have good big themes, good character development, good plot, and you need to have good diction as well. Or what about Bane in, in uh, Batman? Bane's diction was very interesting. Or old uh, westerns. I love the diction in old westerns like True Grit where the characters obviously have a bigger vocabulary than they would in real life. Like, if you ever watch a, 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 an old Western, no one speaks that well, <laughs> especially an outlaw in the middle of the West. Didn't even go to eighth grade. But uh, it's, I just love the diction in old, old Westerns. And the goal of uh, diction, good diction, is clarity. Clarity. If you're going to tell a good story, if you're going to write a sermon, the, one of the most important things with your diction is that there needs to be clarity. Too many metaphors, too much figurative language, people get lost in it, right? Too many big, complicated words, people get lost in it. If you want to be brilliant and super smart, sometimes that's going to hurt your diction. You want to make sure it's clear and not too far over the head of your audiences. And then you want economy. That's another term, economy. And that means just use the essential words. Not too many words. Wait, what was the word? Economy. Economy? Economy, like fuel economy means you get a lot of miles on one tank of gas. You want to get a lot out of one word. You don't want to have too many words. Is that Yeah, that's good diction has clarity and economy. And you'll notice that in movies, they make use of diction in between the action scenes. You'll have action scenes where, where a lot of beats are taking place, propelling the action forward, and then it'll slow down, and there'll be pacing, and there'll be dialogue and conversation, and it will slow down. So diction can kind of pace the story and slow down the beats. Um, that's what diction is used for. And then the last two go together, spectacle and song. And that's basically the special effects and the musical accompaniment. And even in Greek tragedies and comedies that are written by Aristophanes, the clouds, they had a backdrop. They had staging. 
Has anyone here ever worked in theater or done theater? They have staging, you have makeup, you have costume, you have the set designers, you have lightings. That's all spectacle. And you want spectacle to heighten the emotions. If it's sad, you want to add to the sadness with maybe a little rain, right? Gray clouds. And then music also adds to the the emotion. And... um, can you think of any movie that excelled in spectacle and song, but was not very good with plot or thought or character development or even diction? Yes. High School Musical. High School Musical. Eh, no, I don't think so. June? Uh, the New Batman movie. The New Batman movie. You know, the ones I think of are the basically almost all the Marvel movies. Um, awesome special effects, great music. But boring stories. Um, the, there's a few that are decent. There's a few that are decent, but like the the first Iron Man, great story. Um, but but in, but in general, Transformers, for example, that's a great, terrible character development. Except Bumblebee, great character development. But all the other Transformers, awesome special effects, great music, but the plot is so boring, right? We transform, and we do that to beat this one bad guy who, for whatever reason, wants to kill all humanity. And in a movie, we save the day. It's just boring. It's boring. Not very developed. <coughs> but how developed can a character be when it's a robot that turns into a Jeep or something? <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for today. Let me answer this real quick.